Um, right, so. Not going to. So that's it. All right. So Marcus Aurelius, who else do you recommend to uh, to learn from on the? All right. Let's just dive right into it. The books you mentioned sure. you had a book there about the Daily Stoic. I think it was called. Um, who were? Well, that's this is one of my my daily reads, Daily Stoic, by Ryan Holiday. But really summarizes, you know, all the famous Stoic. Uh, personnel back in the day and you know Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, uh, Plato's, they were all geniuses before their time. And man, the 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 truth and the wisdom that they carry is is profound today when you look at it and you realize they learned how to simplify life down to you know individual increments. And if you get those increments right, suddenly you get away, get away from all the complexity that we've added to life nowadays. Yeah, I'm going to be working on uh, channeling my my inner stoic nature while we talk too. Uh, yeah. that'll, be, that'll be awesome. Uh, all right. So uh, two other books. What are the, what are the books you recommend right now? Uh, two other books, Seven Habits by Stephen Covey. That's a that's an OG book that you just can't get away from. It's it really teaches you how to communicate, how to connect, how to collaborate and how to thrive in life. And it's principles for anything that's, whether it's business, marriage, you know, athleticism, whatever it is, if you can apply those principles, it's just, it's worth more than a college degree. Well said. And the third? And the third book, well, this is, I'm gonna, this is my, this is the book I just published, Unstoppable Mindset which is really just published November, right? That's right. So uh, it's from being stuck to dominating in life in the boardroom. So what I really did is took psychological principles, took biblical principles, took business principles, and then really culminated them to, and really there's a lot of stoicism in there as well, but it's really culminating those into a guide for success for male leaders. And it's also a powerful tool to, help men become the fathers, the husbands, the leaders that they're called to be. But it's also a great, powerful tool for wives to better understand their husbands and for their male counterparts and their male teams to help both sides understand men better and for men to understand themselves better and help themselves achieve the goals and the success that they have and also get life right along the way. Look at that book, everybody. That is awesome. The Unstoppable Mindset by Pete Vanderveen. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look at that a little bit further too as we as we chat. That's awesome. Oh Mike, I can't wait to see how you pulled those principles together as well. Overlapping overlapping new knowledge with what's what's happened over time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just tremendous power in in uh, the I find tremendous power in my own certainty of like, okay bam, run, hit it. Because now I know, oh, like right. this is, this has worked for a very long time and I can blaze through this and not, not be scared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I can, not just not scared, be confident, brave, move. Yeah. Um, so appreciate that a lot. We're going to cut to a little bit of a break. We'll be right back. Everybody who's listening in a mission-based turnaround expert. Um, that phrase, maybe write it down to internalize it while we're on the break. And that is not a typo. Pete is not a leader of a Fortune 500 company. We're talking about a Fortune 5 company. Um, he has he has worked with some very, very elite businesses, and he's working with some elite ones now. We will be right back. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited to have Pete Vanderveen join me today. We're going to be talking about his his job as a mission-based turnaround expert to help companies absolutely crush their goals. Um, and I have I met <clears throat> I met Pete through Sean Barnes, another tremendous leader to look up. Um, he's got a podcast called The Way of the Wolf, and these 
two guys, like it was so easy to just feel the power of their kindred spirit when you just first meet them. But we had some really deep level conversations about business and growth. Um, we were able to hit it hard. Um, it's kind of like when you go to the go to the gym. Um, and, you know, I, I used to play a lot of sports and there's somebody there who kind of wants to play horse or something. But then you go to the gym in another time and somebody's like getting after it, hitting it, crushing it. And you're just able to jump in, get after it, crush it with them. And it's like, yeah, like we speak the same lingo. Um, we go after life the same way. And I, I just can't speak highly enough of what I've seen so far of Pete and uh, and Sean. And I'm glad to have both of them in my life. So we're going to go. We're going to bring him back on stage in just a minute. But I also want to reveal some other great relationships that if you have not heard of them, could be life changing for you. One of them is Sean Lechuga of the Wellness Shop 365. Um, these are the sponsors, of course, on our, our page. Now, these these sponsorships, guys, these are not people who pay for these spots. These are people who I just love and I love what they're up to. And I know that the visionaries I'm talking to, the ones that are catching listening, like it's not a bad idea to pay attention to the people rising up. Um, you know, as as Pete said a little bit ago, the the David versus Goliath stories. Um, there are a number of Davids out there who, if you if you get in sooner than later, <clears throat> you might be able to benefit in tremendous ways. This three six five Harmony of Life Will Assessment. This is what really caught my attention about Sean and Julianne. Is they're looking at life and holistic health from the position of okay, let's let's look at what our joy, our spirituality, our creativity looks like, our relationships, our social life. Um, our home environment, our career education. Um, in addition to that, of course, they look at the traditional aspects of, um, you know, how are you, how are you doing with your workouts? How are you doing with your nutrition? How are you doing with your supplements? Um, but what they're what they're working on to build with that is something that <clears throat> I don't know if they'll pull it off in 20 years. I don't know if they'll pull it off in 20 days. Um, but as they work diligently to fulfill on this, um, it's going to be amazing to see how this continues to take shape and. Uh, Anyway, if you're if you're interested in finding out more about what they're doing and and how that might how might how that might be related to you as a naturopath or a doctor even might be a good idea to reach out. Then there's Melissa Gray with the Law Spot, and uh, Melissa, when she came on the show, I was I was nervous. I was like, I don't know if I want to host an attorney on my show. Um, you know, most attorneys aren't uh, they just don't have the type of visions I can really relate to. Um, but her nurture and nature, in addition to her ability to kick a as a as an attorney and help entrepreneurs understand that law doesn't have to be complicated um i was i was like hooked hook line and sinker i was like man this lady's amazing i can't wait to see her build and fulfill this vision where you know legal zoom's great and crocodile and those programs where i got most of my free templates initially for for my business when i started and then i started to run into different aspects of business that, that happened to you and i remembered some of the experiences I had other startups where we had cease and desist and demand letters and some, you know, people tried to trademark our brands, et cetera. And we spent some serious cash on retainers because we did not, we did not do our due diligence on protecting ourselves from a legal standpoint. And why? Well, as a startup, you know, when you're calling legal people and you're kind of, you're young, you're figuring life out too, um, or you haven't talked to a lot of attorneys, it can be an intimidating process. And you sometimes just go with what, feels best or what review looks good. I hope that uh, this inspires you to take a little bit more proactive stance as a wise steward of your venture and say, you know, maybe I could interview Melissa, maybe I could interview the guys over at Legal Shield um, or elsewhere and see what are my options. So that way you're not you're not put in a position where you have to hire somebody fast and uh, you may end up getting raked over the coals and your vision may shift gears far more than you you want it to if that's the case prepare ourselves it's what it's all about then there's the water project and um i keep the water project near and dear to my heart on purpose primarily because i don't ever have to worry about where i'm going to get water more importantly i don't have to worry about where my kids are going to get water um yet millions of people in this world do and so i feel an obligation a responsibility duty and an opportunity to give back to this cause um, and also help other people be aware that not only does the water project show you where your money goes with this, but you get to see and learn like how they go about building these systems. Um, and it's kind of cool to be able to see the, I shouldn't say it's kind of cool for me. It's like amazing to be able to see the results of what I've contributed to. Um, and even if you're not in a position to contribute financially, you could share this message and maybe you're connected to the one person I'm not, that's going to, uh, donate a hundred thousand dollars to this. You just never know what will happen. So 
If you could share this, we would appreciate it. And if your if your heart and mind is on a cause, something that's happened in the world right now, maybe it's even just a family that has a crowdfunding need. Uh, don't hesitate to drop that in the comments. We will take a look and see how we can help out. There's eight billion people in this world that we that we can help, and uh, when we come together to do that, it's amazing what can be done um, as we work together on the cause. So, without further ado, Pete Vanderveen, welcome to Vision Pros Live, man. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Diving right in, um, man. What's your vision for those that you serve? Uh, the vision that I carry with me daily is I really want to help and empower others really so that they can step into their God-given purpose and passion. I love it. So it's real simple, real sweet. Step in to their God-given passion. What what would that what what form does that take uh, for people? What does that look like? It takes a lot of different shapes. Um, I've obviously I do it on a corporate level. But even inside the corporation, I come at it from a human level because at the core of my per my purpose and passion is really to be there for that person. Just because I remember those times that I would wish I had wished that someone was there for me. And I think that that really drives me in life that when I see a person in need, I remember those times where I was in need and it was radio silence. So for me, when I step into a corporation, whether I see, you know, I risk teen, whether I see a family in need, I just feel like this calling on my heart by God, where it's like, if I know if I have the tools, if I have the resources, if I have the know-how, then I want to be that person that stops long enough to pay attention to that person. Because like I said, I was there when I was growing up and, you know, you're crying out for someone to come and be that person for you. Now it's my turn to give it back. Absolutely. So, um, one thing, one thing I'd like to stop and ask, um, there's a, there's a, what's it called? Um, I guess a symptom disease, uh, diagnosis called a hero's complex, um, you know, or a theory or term, I don't care what we call it. We call it a banana if we want to, but there's this hero's complex aspect. Um, and then there's like a, the opposite of that, which would be like a complete disdain and disregard for humanity. Um, you know, there's polarizing effects, but, um, one of the things I noticed about your page, um, and, and we'll probably pull this up in a minute as well, is that there's a ton of what I'm going to say is well-placed hyperbole in your message. I don't like hyperbole 99% of the time. Um, it's not mm -hmm. something I'm a big fan of, but as I was reading your story, getting to know you, I was like, man, like this dude's got conviction, right? Not arrogance. I, I see a huge conviction. What? What do you think of the term heroes complex, saviors complex? And how do you come in so boldly to help people with these turnarounds? Um, where is the line on taking over somebody's mission and getting in their face and, you know, being a jerk about it or whatever, and, mm. and being a bold fireman, um, you know, going in, doing the rescue, take that where you want. I, I don't even know how to pinpoint yeah. this, but it's a, it's a, it's an objective that I think is so important for, entrepreneurs and visionaries to debate because that's often the role we're we're serving in well that's a great question jackson and i think i think i could really speak to that because when i see a person i don't see certainly you see what they're you see what their you know their attitude their charisma their body language you, you can see that but you can also realize that what you're seeing is just the tip of the iceberg. So you start to realize that there's a lot more beneath, beneath the surface, right? We don't know the battle they're facing. We don't know the journey that they've been on. But what I found most of the time is when you help someone and you can help them get through their journey, through their struggles, through their adversity, then you start to see the real person. And I think a lot of times in a corporate world, I've seen people be dismissed left, right, and center. But it was like they didn't have the desire to do whatever it was they were asked to do. They had an inability inability based on a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding, a lack of clarity, whatever it was. And so for me, what I realized is if I can, nine out of 10 people, if I can help that person, give them the tools, if I can empower them. I always speak on, on behalf of empowering human capital, but if I can take someone, give them the tools, tell them I believe in them, 
and give them the road to success and then champion that success, most people will reach levels that they never thought possible. And typically in an organization, when people, when companies are struggling, it's usually the common denominators of people are struggling. So if you can help the people become unstuck and help them start to know more, learn more, communicate more, collaborate more, thrive more. Now, when those people come together, it's like a company's unstoppable. I love that. <clears throat> I love that. We're going to keep it right where that's at. If anybody wants to join the debate on Heroes Complex, Saviors Complex, how to help, should we help, etc. Of course, feel free to dive into the comments and let us know what your thoughts and opinions are on that. Um, what's your vision for you, Pete? What do you see for yourself on the horizon? Uh, honestly, my vision is just to continue to create kingdom impact. I like I want to I run a lot of companies, but at the end of the day, I just want to be that person that someone could be like, hey, he really helped me. And I think for me, if I can continue to help people, I can help people become empowered. Then I can help that husband, that wife. I can help that child. I can help that corporation. But to me, it all boils down to like, you know, we're here to serve the least of these. And if we can help people realize like they're they're loved, they're cared for, they're valuable, then I know they're going to go off and they're going to do something great. And that's not, to me, that's not, I don't even see that as a hero complex. I just know that when someone finally believed in me, it made a difference for me. And then, but I also know that as long as the world told me I was a piece of shit, I was going nowhere. And if anything, I was going to prove them right. Cause I grew up as the boy named Sue. I, I grew up fighting and, and, and being angry and being, being tough. So I just realized when you can, when you can champion someone else's success, not for your own benefit, benefit, but for their benefit, you both win because you feel accomplished and they start to believe in themselves and they start to see what's possible. So for me, it's, my my vision for the next year for the next the remainder of my life is i just want to certainly make a big difference corporately make a big difference communally and then just make it be a positive light in a world that's focused on always pursuing darkness and trying to find the worst and everything yeah well said um and yeah that is the difference again those listening in um intentional with our, our word choices um you know there's being a hero and there's having the heroes complex um, right. There are two different realities that exist on that. And uh, there are oftentimes uh, in life where we have the opportunity to be the hero um, versus I, I think I would define the complex side as somebody who's kind of addicted to that um, right. and and maybe does it for the sake of being recognized um, yeah. as such. Um, it's about them, not necessarily about the person that they're helping. Um, talking about let's talk into a dark subject. Um What's your worst leadership experience ever? This can be one that you've been through and witnessed. Um, what can be one of your own? The real, the real idea here is those who are listening in. What are they? Which one? Which story are they going to benefit the most from? Yeah, I, th I think I've, I think just like anyone else, like I've had to learn how to become a leader. But obviously, through making my own mistakes, there's been times where I ran Fortune five companies or I ran big parts of fortune five companies. And I wasn't doing a good job of leading my family. I was leaving my wife in the dust. I wasn't being the father I should be because I was over consumed in my work. So I would say that that was a time and a place where I was off focus, right? I wasn't holistically grounded. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have my priorities in the right spot because I was pursuing worldly success. But I think to me, leadership ultimately should be that I'm here to empower others as a leader. If I run a, a large corporation, everyone's success is my success. And this isn't most leaders today, whether it's politics or corporate, they're not leaders. They're appointed people of, of egotism and of power. So they, they operate out of fear and it's kind of the character of the stick. They'll either manipulate you or they'll, fear monger you into doing and executing a task for me as an as a leader i want to lead from the back i want to be the rising tide in the harbor and i want to help other people get to be successful and then i know communally i thrive because i helped everyone else thrive absolutely i gotta ask um how did you 
how did you go about o- overcoming yourself in that regard? How did you go about shifting, changing? Well, I think the biggest eye opener for me was just realizing that I was, I went from, I went through a dark journey in my life where I was, I went through growing up, I went through abuse, I went through neglect, I went through abandonment and it turned me into, and it turns anyone into a selfish person because now you become all focused on yourself, your needs, your protection, your survival. Exactly. So survival is a necessity. It's that fight or flight mechanism, except when you don't control it, it becomes, it, it converts into narcissism. And now survival has become, you sur- you needed to survive because you were the victim, but now you become the perpetrator because you only care about you. And when you're in that state, you become a dangerous person. And for me, when I started to realize that I was now doing the very thing that I had been wounded by growing up, when I started to realize like I was abandoning the very woman that had committed to me and I and I was neglecting my kids who were the only thing that really mattered to me when I when I took some of the most important things in my life and I put them aside because I was trying to pursue someone else's approval and a corporation's approval it was kind of an eye-opener for me that if I continue this trajectory this isn't going to end well and I'm going to make I'm going to regret it heavily one day and one day I'm going to be like all the other executives that are divorced and single and 65 years old and sedating their negative negativity and depression. So for me, it was an eye opener, but, and it was kind of, to me, it was, I knew what I wanted to do. I just had to have a reset to get my, get my vision back and to realign my life and then to get back focused on what mattered, which, which was being a father, a husband, and then a servant leader. So I appreciate you diving deep into the vulnerabilities. Um, you know, I want to actually want to dive the opposite side, though, like the light switch turned on. Um, right. You realize that, OK, I can I can be there. Um, did you take massive leaps and like just scale to the top of perfect fatherhood and perfect husbandry right away? Or were there little subtle things that you started to do that, um, you know, people can pick up on and say, OK, maybe I can do those types of things, too, in my life? Uh, I think I, I intended to make small, subtle changes. Like I had to try to reorient myself due to circumstances with the economy and corporate you know, politics. I ended up having a hard choice made for me where I had to exit the fortune five. And so that was a, it was a day of reckoning for me where the very thing that I had used to kind of be the idol in my life was gone. And then I had to get real serious real quick with where my priorities were. So I feel like I didn't have a choice at that time. I had to really dig deep and go deep and heal and restore who I was and then come back and do it all over again, but do it the right way this time. And so it was, I didn't choose that route, but it got given to me and then I had to go manage it. And it was very difficult. It was very dark at times. Well, thank you. Um, again, I'm sure there's others. I know I can relate to this in a lot of ways myself. So, um, been there, uh, done that, um, on, on a lot of that, but I want to steal your, your thunder. People can hear that in other shows. Um, so what's your, uh, what's your best leadership experience look like? And I got a, I got a lot of them, but I think. I'd say the common story is right now I'm working with a company out of Houston and, and when, when a company is stuck, when people are stuck, it's typically resentments, frustration, negativity, toxicity. And then when that continues to exist, it becomes a tit for tat. It becomes a very anti collaborative environment, but I I'm always excited when I can come in there. And I can help them start to see each other as humans. I can start, they can start to see each other as friends again. And they can start to see each other as, oh, they didn't really mean it that way, but I interpreted it the wrong way for all this time. And I made a mountain out of a molehill. But suddenly when you can bring everyone back to the table and suddenly positivity shows up again and collaboration shows up and we get a multiplier effect. And now we start to see exponential growth and suddenly people are going from begrudgingly going to work 
to now they're coming into work and they're just jacked up and they're just happy and they're, they're they're excited. And then you just watch this company just take off and you just see people thrive. But now you also watch people go home and they're happier. They're going to their family with with a pep in their step. And you got husbands and wives and and single people and kids all going home again to their environment that they come in and they're bringing positivity. So now you start to see this ripple in the water effect where what we do in one environment just transcends everything, right? So I get those experiences a lot because that's what I love to do. But when you watch it every time, you, it's like you sit back and you just like, dang, this is fun. Yes. Oh, I love that, man. It's like that person who comes into the dance party, you know, and they're the yeah. ones dancing and going. And the next thing you know, everybody starts diving in and dancing. And yeah. it takes that that one catalyst. But then you can, like, stop and look. You're like, man, look what I just did. You know, look yeah. what just happened. Look at the energy. And, and you know, again, it, it's not necessarily the focus on, on you. But you also can embrace and be grateful for the fact that that's the byproduct of, of showing up with great energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's a, that's a really, really good example. I appreciate that you dive into the depths of what's there because I mean, that's, that's journaling and meditation, you know, and it's, it's, you know, that's like the core virtue and value of it is if you can dive that deep into your journal and appreciate your own experiences for the depth of what they could be doing, it makes it that much easier to stick to, um, Changes in course, changes in leadership style that, that may be foreign to you right now. Maybe that's not how your office environment is, right? The first time you're coming in and it, maybe it's a little bit awkward and people are surprised that you said good morning. <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. people are surprised that you asked them how their day was or their weekend was and you took five minutes to take interest in them. That It might take some time to, to make some shifts or you might just need to bring Pete in. Um, you know, or, or find a, an alternative if, if uh, you know, Pete's busy with other companies and say, okay, I got to find somebody with this type of energy. So if this was the last opportunity you had to share a powerful lesson that other visionaries can learn from regarding your experience, what would the powerful lesson be? Dang, that's a good one. Yeah, feel free to take your time on this one. <laughs> I've always surprised when people rush in. I'm like, oh, it's like slow down, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's loaded. Uh-huh. I think that we live in a society where people get the equation backwards. People are looking for success and they're hoping that the success radiates and that it helps them feel more valuable and more validated and more successful as a human. And I'm a firm believer that that's, that's the opposite. What you have to do is you have to obviously heal from your trauma. You have to become someone that learns to love yourself, not because of what you do, but because of who you are and you need to realize like God created you for a purpose, not just to take up space and use resources. But when you start to realize like where your value comes from, who you are, why you're valuable and you start to build off that, you start to realize like your value is in what you, the person you are and the, in the value you bring, not what you accomplish. And then you step into a boardroom, then you step into the arena, then you step onto the ball court then you realize you're not you're not desperate for success but you're coming in as an empowered individual that now you're bringing value everywhere you go and then your success is amplified everywhere you go but what most people are doing is they're coming in with this empty bill of goods and then they hope that this arena will give me the fulfillment i need to take back home and feel like i'm a successful person but that's a recipe for disaster because when you're bankrupt and you're desperate, nothing will satisfy that. And whether you're, you see that in the world of alcoholics or drug users or and even finances and personal you know, accumulation of wealth and successes, you become desperate for the next hit because it's never enough to satiate the emptiness. But if you can become a person that realizes the value you have, so first and foremost, being the best parent you can be because your kids are your legacy and then you know, investing into your relationships because those are key. Those are the people that need the best of you. And then when you take that energy and you correlate that to your work, to your professional arena, now you start to, you accumulate energy and you accumulate uh, horsepower, so to speak. And then when you come to work, you've brought, you've charged up and now you can have this, you have all this value to give to the, to the, you know, to the marketplace. But 
when you go to the marketplace hoping that's going to fulfill you you're gonna you're gonna be sorely missing that's that's profound um it's worth read, worth meditating you actually got me meditating already um <laughs> and on a on a concept i haven't thought of before so i got to give you um pay credit where it's due um as as i share this inspiration myself um it's fun. It's that's the beauty of guys of, of listening in on these types of vision experiences and and doing so authentically is then you end up filling your own soul, um, you know, and, and finding ways to reinforce your infrastructure. So as you talked about this idea of of um, healing traumas, learning to love yourself because of who you are, um, not what you do, and, and then God creating us for a purpose. Um, you know, I'm sitting there meditating on it and thinking, OK, um, where has this manifested in my life? What stages? Right. And I'm like, okay, I've been so blessed to one. I know what survival instincts are and I know what it's like to grow up with the need for, for strong survival instincts um, and, and to have to control everything around me have to right? right my yeah. quote unquote, and then realizing, letting go, um, you know, realizing that you're in God's hands, no matter what, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's progressions of that. So I was thinking, man, I was, I was so blessed to have that young, but one of the cool things about about Christianity is that we know about the refiner's fire. Um, and so sometimes we fill the vessel, you know, sometimes we have those opportunities in life, whether it's going to a church retreat, you know, we go and I, and I, oh, I'm going to get my soapbox. I hate how often coaches and leaders manipulate an audience into saying, you know, you, you know, you've been to that conference where you wrote all those notes and you went home. What happened? What happened? You know, you failed to do anything. Um, you didn't put it actually like, dude, chill. Like that's, that's, well, it's not a reality. Um, you know, you can't help, but retain some of the virtues, um, in an environment that you pick them up in, um, it's very manipulative and I don't like it. Um, so to go back towards that reality though, so yeah, when you get full, um, there's been many times in my life where I was absolutely full with who I was and then I allowed ego pride to kick in. And God found a way to break my vessel <laughs> so that woo, I yeah. feel almost like nothing again. Um, yeah. You know, and somehow we can blame life. We can say this isn't fair. Like, man, I screwed up. Uh, at the end of the day, he knows how to use the refiner's fire and not destroy the gold. Um, you know, as he's burnt, purging away the, the negativities that exist, there's, it's, there's a cyclical process um, that can happen over and over Job being to me the best example of that um mm -hmm. you know the the perfect man uh, as they yeah. say that then had another opportunity to find external emptiness but in his case never abandoned you know the the internal reality that God giveth and God taketh away and I will I will stay faithful to this this idea this way of being what are your thoughts on that I think the hardest thing we can do is surrender control because I think if you're a wounded individual, if you went through tough childhood, if you went through abuse and trauma and neglect and abandonment, your, ne your necessity for control is to never get hurt again. And therefore you, you will, you will rig and you will, you will strive and you will obsess about controlling the environment you're in. But ultimately you become control freak because your desperation has driven you to become someone that wants went from no control to now you strive for absolute control but we all want finances we want comfort we want recognition we want accomplishments we want all these things but inside that we are obsessing for control and i think western culture is built on a need for control but ultimately, at the end of the day, we can't control anything but our own opinion, our own actions, our own thoughts, our own our own charisma. All I can control is me. And that's when you look at the Stoics, they remind you that nothing matters except for you. And it's not what you go through. It's how you go through it. It's how you show up that matters. So I think all of this always boils down to, are you willing to play with an open hand and then deal with what you're given? Or are you always trying to control the situation and you only want, you know, you only want everything to work out because if you can, because for me, there's been plenty of times things failed miserably. I've lost millions in investment. I've had companies go bankrupt. 
COVID wiped out one of my companies. Like you cannot live and die by your success. You have to play with an open hand and just trust that God has a plan. And refiner's fire. The flip side to it is that that shit burns. Like yeah, that's <laughs> right. It will burn you. It will take skin off your hide. It will it will hurt. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you realize you're gonna come out better, stronger, and you're gonna become closer to the man or woman that God wants you to be because you started to realize like you had to let go of those impurities. And if yeah. you can play with an open hand and just be like whatever whatever is meant to be will stay, and I'm gonna thrive and I'm gonna give my all to this situation. And if it's not what I want it to be guess what? It's time for me to learn. It's time for me to grow. And what else can I, what do I have to give in this situation? Cause we always want more. And then we're like, well, then life will get great. But it's like, what if, what if you just use the flower, the little bit of flower that's left in your jar and then just play that hand and just double down. Yeah, dude, you, okay. Refiner's fire. That shit burns. You said it right. And I'm thinking I'm always looking for the parallel on the other side though. Cause on the flip side, you know what else sucks and you know what else hurts just as bad being that lump of dirt before being in the refiner's fire, being that lump of dirt on that obscure mountain that nobody cares about that people walk all over that suffers through all the elements to you, you drown in the rain. Um, you know, you, you get hot in the sun, uh, you're, you know, you're kind of, but once you're refined, right, once you become that refined piece of artwork too, you're often cherished and protected in ways that you can't be when you just exist. So both hurt, they both, both existence hurt. It's a matter of, of, uh, you know, are we purposely dedicating ourselves towards something amazing or not? 400 pounds is not any more fun, you know, and, and, uh, worth living than being in shape and having a six pack. Um, you know, both have their different burns and challenges to them. So you're not going to mm-hmm. escape the hard nature of life. Um, yeah. you know, no matter which, which direction you choose to go, you talked about feeling sedated, being sedated. And, and, uh, yes, I've, I've been very fortunate to one of stay at home dad since day mm-hmm. one of my daughter's birth. Uh, my first daughter, I've got four kids. Um, and, you mentioned this control aspect as well. Um, that was, man, I was a horrible leader. Um, you know, I had a really hard time understanding how to lead. One of the best lessons I've received was my uh, my church leader, my stick president, say, Jackson, I want you to write this down. It was a very desperate part of my life where everything's falling apart. And he said, I cannot, or no, I do not control the world. And I'm, I'm, I'm a studious guy. I really have to, I stopped writing midway through and I was like, <laughs> Ah, I, I was like, I, this is how I survived in life. I was like, this right. is, you know, like, are you sure? You know, I'm like, yeah. we're, we go back and forth for a little bit. I'm like, okay. He said, now stick that in your pocket and carry it with you everywhere you go. I carried that thing for years. Um, yeah. You know, I've still got it somewhere, but I finally was like, okay, I can, I can let this go. Um, I, I get the concept. I see it. I feel it. I appreciate this so much. Um, life has been just exponentially i can't even express how much happier i am at peace i am with life ever since learning that you know it's so cool i don't control thank god literally that i don't control everything else Mm -hmm. i can i can just make sure that i'm working on me and he knows that i'm i'm going to be imperfect at it and he's okay with that too it's like oh that's a relief so all right. Mission-based turnaround expert. Um, you dove into, these are the principles I imagine you're discussing with people, um, you know, on a, on a daily basis. And there's other things that you're up to. Do you want to, do you want to dive into that further and, and what you do for companies or do you want to keep sure. this? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Be, yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day that what, what I've dealt with is I've worked with a lot of venture capital groups, private equity groups, and they have one goal and that's a return on investment. And even large corporations, whether you're Fortune 500 or Fortune 5, all they really care about is healthy financials, quarterly reports. And all too often, they have a short-term outlook on what success looks like. They're just looking to do whatever it takes. But I find, actually, if you look at the statistics, they say 70% of corporations today lack leadership. And they admittedly say that they don't have leaders in their company. That's a scary statistic. 
But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, what I try to help companies realize is there's a there's a there's a happy medium between just hack and slash and cut your way to the top. And what you really have to do is when you help invest into people and when you help make people more successful. So if you have an, a company of 10 people or 100 people or 1000 people, when you can help those 1000 people become 10%, 20% more enriched, more empowered, more successful, that becomes a massive driver for success. But a lot of companies, they don't think that way. They just say, we need more sales, drive harder, get a bigger whip. They just, all they do is they push the accelerator harder. Whereas when you can come at things from a mission focus, which is I'm here to endeavor on empowering people so that these people become more successful. Because if I help someone, if I take a mom or dad and I can help them live life better, come to work more energized, be more productive at work, go back, live a happier life. That company will benefit from her positive mental health and her positive emotional health. And so to me, the mission focus is always, I'm not looking at dollars and cents. I'm going to give you the dollars and cents return on investment, but I'm going to look at the person. I'm going to find the people and the strategies and the techniques to help these people become more empowered, more productive. Whereas corporate America is always focused on just do whatever it takes to drive more money. And they never think of the investment side of the equation. So it's the equivalent to having, you know, a big block Chevy and all they're doing is just trying to put more, they're just trying to put a, put a bigger blower, a bigger supercharger on the engine or put a bigger exhaust on it. And they don't ever think of like, how do we put better fuel into the Corvette? How do we make this thing healthier so that it can produce more? All they want to do is just put something on, put some lipstick on this thing and make this thing, hmm. you know, return tomorrow morning. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so how do you, how do you go about, um, what seems, what seems hard to me is getting such a big organization. That's, uh, you know, one time Tracy Childs at wishlist member was talking to me about growth and shifting and, and we're, he, you know, he had 110,000 customers on his, on his uh, membership platform. And he was explaining like Jackson, I'm a marathon runner, not a sprinter. I can tell you a great, great sprinter. First time I'd heard the analogy, I'm like, cool, appreciate that. But he said, we're an aircraft carrier, man. Like mm -hmm. we we can't spin things on a dime. Um, you know, and you know, I'm like, well, that there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and how can we optimize that spinning? Um, you know, so that it happens faster. And that's kind of what you seem to do, so to speak. So when you're facing, you know, the obvious weight of of you know a titanic what do you do how do you how do you start how do you when when they're resistant how do you help them understand that you're not here to destroy what they're up to and inspire them to make changes i think it, it comes back it comes back down to just the same tools that i used to be a better father same tools i used to be a better husband or the same tools i can use to Take a Fortune 5 company and, and change the trajectory. And it comes down to investing into spending time with people, listening to them, hearing their concerns, hearing their fears. And then you start to understand that it's not what's coming out of their mouth that's actually the truth. It's what you can hear in the tone of their voice. So you can see what led them to that point and you can start to realize, okay, this guy is a control freak, but really what's happened is he's scared for his family because he's scared of losing his job. And therefore he's a paranoid freak at work. Right. So now it's like you help that person start to understand that. Like, I understand your battle. I understand what you're facing and let me help you achieve success. Let's do it in a different way. But really it's helping walking with these people and helping them see it through a different lens, helping see that we can still get there, but we're going to do it in a different way. But the beauty with mission-focused turnarounds or mission-focused scaling is I don't want to just hack and slash and just have instant success. What I want to do is have longevity because if we turn this thing around, the collateral damage is going to be extensive if we do it the wrong way. Like it's notorious that private equity and venture capital buy a company, hmm. increase the revenue, and then sell it. Well, by the time they turn around to sell it, there's fires everywhere. Dumpsters are on fire. 
people are bleeding, like they've just brought destruction because they came in and they just showed up with a big knife and they just, they basically trimmed all the trees violently and aggressively. And it was like, that didn't benefit anyone long-term. So nice. mission focus is really focusing on if I can invest just like an athlete, if I can invest in that athlete, look at someone like Deion Sanders, he's taking a college team, right? He's taking the buffs who were, had two, two wins in like 10 years. And he believed in those boys. These boys aren't like a listers. These are boys whose dads are in prison. These are boys whose dads are incarcerated and these kids have gone through hell and back, but he, what he did is he believed in them. He loved them. He took care of them. And suddenly he starts to bring out the best in them. And then next thing you know, we've got a championship potential team from people that everyone else discarded because they weren't the shiny, they weren't the shiny sharpest object in the toolbox, right? These were the kids that were rough around the edges. And I think in a corporate environment, when you help understand that most people, the communication is not there. The collaboration is not there. There's silo culture. So there's all these things that are apprehending people's success that when you remove those and you start to help people like, listen, work together, communicate, help people understand better and help the executives do a better job of relaying what's in their mind. Because a lot of executives have this authoritarian approach where they're just like, well, they should just know better, do it or else. Well, it's like, stop for a moment and realize how did you, did you want that approach when you were growing up? When you were elevating through the through your career, did you want someone to be like figure it out or else, or would you have liked someone to stop, take a moment, take a knee, and say, "Listen, how can I help you?" Because that's how you make people successful, and that's how you fix companies, and that's how everyone wins. And to get back to the Stephen Covey, we most corporations it's a win loss relationship. Executives win, everyone else loses. Shareholders win, everyone else loses. But there's a win-win in every company, but you have to be willing to spend the extra effort and realize working on the emotional intelligence, not the, you know, the the intellectual intelligence, but working on the EQ side of the equation drives incredible success. And then you just watch this thing take off. Mm. You know, I'm going to use the, the quote, the grass, you know, isn't greener on the other side to call the rest of us out um what the way that you described and you know ca rightfully called out the the villainization of of the worst side of venture capitalism um that exists you know hey let's do this fast let's make this happen like you said then everything's on fire um i was like oh you're talking about copywriters oh you're talking about coaches oh you're talking about digital marketers um oh you're talking about human beings um you know mm -hmm. we we all tend to find ourselves at sometimes um, you know, exercising, again, control, dominance tactics. Um, we want to prove our results. We want to get the result as fast as we can. And, and we're not often looking at the byproduct of, well, what happens, what happens when we run full speed towards a cliff's edge? Um, you know, like what, what could happen um, in that scenario? So pipe dream pros, you know, the non-vision pros out there, like settle down, um, you know, maybe, maybe consider how does this apply? And, to the vision pros out there, what I wasn't able to do in the show is unpack the secret cure, um, you know, the, 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 to be like Pete, um, you know, and to have the exact results that Pete drives. What we were able to expose and see is just like listening to an interview of the <clears throat> of, of LeBron James, you know, trying to say how he got to where he's at, the amount of study, the amount of diligence, some of it coming from you know, your background beat of control and probably obsessiveness over like being the best that you could, who knows for what reason, but some of those virtues you've maintained, um, and you've, you've, you know, the communication, you know, just ask questions. Well, you know how to ask the right questions at the right time with the right tone and the right cadence, etc. And that takes a incredibly sincere amount of diligence and practice to be able to do that effectively and and help people to our maximum potentials so we've got to we've got to metaphorically get in the weight room as visionaries the weight room of leadership the weight room of stoicism the weight room of personal development etc we've got to be diligent and consistent in that if we want to drive the types of results where we can effectively change life change our lives for the better change those around us for the better uh, not necessarily us changing them 
But again, in, inspiring that path forward. Um, there's a lot of work that has to be put in. Any final thoughts you'd like to add before we wrap up, Pete? No, I think I think you hit it on the head. I think we there's no such thing as instant success, right? Refiner's fire is a slow, gradual process of God refining you. And it's coming to the realization that we don't control the variables. All we can do is is adapt and overcome and and try to do the best we can. And I think when each of us can learn to see the humanity in others, that's what empathy is. So if I can see the humanity in others and I can see where the disconnect is and I can see what that person needs to get to the next level, that makes me unstoppable because I start to realize I can help anyone achieve success. And if I help everyone achieve success, I don't have to try to do anything anymore. I did what I had to do, but my success is part of that success. So I think all the visionaries, it's easy for us to focus on what what do I need and how do I achieve it? But if you start to realize like your success is the success of others and if you empower others, even if you got a small team, if you focus primarily on empowering your team and making your team holistically thrive, your company will be successful no matter what you do. And even in the times where business isn't as successful as you want it to be, still come back to the drawing board and focus on people, empower people, thrive in your relationships, thrive in your family, thrive in your kids, thrive in your health, and then come to work fully optimized. Love it. I really appreciate you honoring us with extra time. If you have to run, I get it. If you have time to catch up afterwards and feel free to stick around either way, I'll find you no matter what, Pete. Um, with uh, the rest of you, Vision Pros, on the landing page, you'll be able to find the links to be able to, three three opportunities here that I see just super clearly. One, you'll have all the links you need to follow Pete Vanderveen and learn more about his path and how he's gone about um, doing what he's doing so that you can learn to emulate what what he's up to as well and how he's driving success too. We'll have his book on there, The Unstoppable Mindset um, as well. So you can check that out, learn more about how to become unstoppable and have an unstoppable mind for your own success. And three, if you have a vision to share, there's also a button on there that says, Be Our Guest. We'd love to get your vision out there and uh, and bless other people with you. If you got comments, questions, don't hesitate to drop those as well on the social media platform of your choice. Of course, we'll take a look at that. And Vision Pros, have an excellent, excellent rest of your day. Take care, everybody. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent time building out your vision 